You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello and welcome back to Girls with Graphs. I am Rachel Kudlak and I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox. Hi there. I'm so excited that we're back for yet again another episode of season two. Uh, we've had some amazing guests so far, and we're so excited to be bringing uh, another new guest here on the show today. Rachel, um, I'll let you introduce our new guest, and we'll get started. Yes, um, I'm very excited to welcome Connor McKemmy to the podcast today. He is a burn survivor, motivational speaker, and author who travels the country sharing his message of, res- of resilience and thriving against adversity through his MAC mentality. Connor has been speaking since recovering from his accident back in 2008. He inspires audiences to gain perspective and take action in their own personal journey to attack life. Connor joins us today to talk about his experience from being burned 90% and turning that 1% chance of survival into a full life. So thank you, Connor, for coming on Girls with Graphs. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate any opportunity I get to kind of, you know, share my story. And again, like we mentioned before, just with fellow burn survivors, I don't get that opportunity too, too often. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, Connor, again, thank you so much. Uh, I think just to get started and kick us off, um, I don't think even we even know your your full story as you tell it. So I would love it if you would tell us and our listeners a little bit about your burn injury, if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. Um, so we'll take you back to 2008. I was uh, in eighth grade, just basically a typical kid. I played football, basketball, lacrosse, and uh, was you know involved in school, had a lot of friends, was just living life like anybody else would. And we were on Christmas break and there was a girl that I was trying to impress. We had kind of been doing like the, you know, we like each other. We're not quite sure where this is going type thing. And we're, you know, 13 years old, so it's whatever. Um, and I decided one night to have her over and I was We have this, you know, fire out, uh, fire pit in the backyard, you know, roast some marshmallows, hang out. Um, and in my mind, it was going to be a perfect night and it was going to be like, all right, we're either going to you know do this or not. And, uh, as I was getting the fire prepared before she came over, I was really struggling just getting it to start. It was something I had done, you know, dozens of times before. Um, but for whatever reason, like it just was really windy. The logs were wet. I just, I was struggling and, um, there was, you know, propane tank out there. There was gas out there. And as I was struggling, getting this thing started, um, before I know it, there was just an explosion and I felt like you could feel the blast and you could hear it. Um, but your eyes shut immediately. And so I was just surrounded by this, you know, yellow, red glow. Um, and before I knew it. I was pushed down to the ground and padded out and just seeing my arms as I, as I opened my eyes and seeing, you know, the skin burn um, and peeled back and having no idea what, you know, what the extent of it was at the time. To me, in my eyes, it seemed like it went by in in a matter of seconds. Uh, But as I got put in the back of the ambulance and, 
and eventually medevac to Augusta Burn Center. Uh, you know, the final calculations, I was burned 90% of my body, 75% being third degree. And their initial goal was just to keep me alive long enough for my dad, who had been away uh, actually in Iraq for eight months, um, coming home that week for the holidays. And they were just trying to keep me alive long enough uh, to see him and and my mom who was there who was trying to put me out had also been burned a little bit on her arms um, and legs and so our whole family this was right around Christmas time from my mom's side my dad's side everybody traveled from around the country to Augusta Georgia and we're, we're there praying and um, you know when something is that far along as far as the extent is and that big of a burn it's it's you know every few hours it's a waiting game so um, as they do more tests, as they're checking more, you know, blood work and making sure my internal organs are okay and doing more scans and everything else like that, you know, it's just buying and buying more time. But um, ultimately, I was put in a medically induced coma for two months while they did probably 60, 70 surgeries, um, grafts, regrafts, you name it, um, put me back together piece by piece. And when I finally woke up, you know, I was thankfully only missing just my index finger you know i had my, my fingers were pinned um i was i lost probably 40 pounds of just of just weight you know from not moving and, and recovering and so i was about six foot six one and like 130 pounds i think when the, when i was you know at that peak in the hospital and i really didn't know what what was gonna you know, happen. I think they told me you're probably not going to walk again. You know, your life is going to look a lot different than it did just a few months ago. Um, and I took a while to kind of set in, but eventually I looked at the situation and it was like, I could either sit here and feel sorry for myself, or I could at least try and, and, and like, look what the other options are, you know? And, and I looked at it as, you know, they gave me a 1% chance of life. They thought things were going to be really bad. Well, I'm here. I'm okay now. I'm talking. I'm moving around a little bit. Like, let's try to get up and move. Let's try to get up and stand. Um, and I still remember the first day, like, standing up and just feeling the amount of pain just because my feet were, you know, are covered in scars from top to bottom. And um, it's not comfortable. And it was something I never felt before. Mm -hmm. um, but the joy of just standing and moving like became addicting. And then it was like, Hey, I took a step one day and I was like, Oh my God, I, I took a step. It hurt like hell, but I took a step and I was like, Oh my goodness. And then the next day it was like, let's just try and take two or three steps. And before I knew it, I was able to deal with this pain because when you're in the hospital for a long period of time, or even as an adult or anybody, like you deal with daily pain. We all do in many different ways. It could be our knees, it could be our backs, it could be whatever. These were just, you know, my scar bands. These were, this was my new situation. And that pain became normal to an extent and you were used to it. And again, for me, the joy of moving around, the joy it brought to my nurses, my family, you know, people seeing me just trying to get up and, and, and change my situation. Like that made me want to keep going and, and deal with what ultimately became that daily pain. And like, even today, even now I still deal with it. It's like rocks are in my shoes when I'm walking around, but like, I'm used to that. Um, and that addiction of just trying to walk a little bit further, get a little bit further, that became, all right, now I want to go back and play sports. And I couldn't even run. I couldn't move. I was still like maybe 140 pounds at this point. Um, I was in the hospital for about five months. So from December to May, 
And you were 13, right? Is that, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was 13 and then I turned 14. So I was able to walk at my middle school graduation, which is really important to me um, and walk, like physically walk. I think that was, that was like my goal. That was my, you know, original goal. And once we were doing that, it was like, all right, what's next? And high school was starting. I wanted to play sports again. I wanted to get my life back. Um, and being 13 and having a burn injury, I'm sure it's, it's a critical time in your life and that's difficult, right. To kind of overcome as a, as a teenager. Yeah. It was tough. It was tough. I mean, I think for me, the hardest part was obviously the physical appearance aspect. I think I was dealing with the the pain and the recovery as an athlete would deal with an injury. You know, it was like you either get better or you don't. Is all I really knew. So I, you know, knew if I was just sitting around and I wasn't rehabbing, I wasn't putting in the work, like I would never, I would never be able to walk. I would never be able to see that change. But it was always a battle with, you know, for a good year, even when I was out of the hospital, like sit standing in front of a mirror and just brushing my teeth. You know, I would brush my teeth in the shower. I would comb my hair like while the mirror is still fogged up, you know, get ready, all that mm-hmm. stuff like that. That that to me was the hardest battle. But I was able to find my confidence in trying to go back and play sports. And that was always like my little avenue. And when you think about lacrosse, like the beautiful thing about lacrosse football and some of the other sports they're helmet sports so i got to put on that helmet and you wear enough gear that it's like people didn't know like you wouldn't know i have gloves on my hands i got you know i'm wearing leggings i'm wearing uh you know garments so my skin's protected so you really wouldn't know until you're up close but at that point if you're up close like i'm usually by you and scoring or doing something else like (laughs) that to me like was my sanctuary for the longest time and you know your friends and your teammates and the people that are there it's like they only know you as that person so they don't know what you're dealing with you know physically all the time but when you're there and you're having fun and you're contributing and you know for me i was having success early on even in my freshman year like it gave me so much confidence and then it was easier to see myself in the mirror because you know what to me was such a you know, what I looked at is such a detriment, right? Like my scars, my face and being able to stand out and all these things. Like, I was like, man, but look at what we've done, you know, look at what, where we've come. And it, you know, it, from one year to two years, two years to four years. And like, as we've gone, you know, now I'm at 14 plus years since my accident. And it's like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a token of pride and it's something that, you know, I, I'm not ashamed of anymore. I wear with a badge of honor, um, but I know it was a, it was probably the hardest thing I dealt with. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. assume like regaining how to walk, regaining how to you know go back and run and play sports, you know. But again, I was an athlete. I've always been an athlete, and like that, that's all I knew. It's like if you're hurt, mm-hmm. if you're injured, if you're slow, if you're not strong, like you get in and you put in the work, and like you can find outcomes. Like you just put in the work, you will find outcomes. That to me was you see it all the time. It, it was easy, but nobody had like what do you how do you deal with looking in the mirror and like accepting that person and the most normal people deal with that everybody at some stage in their life or currently deals with that and like i was having to deal with that at a very young age when you're already insecure where you're already trying to figure out who you are um but i was really very fortunate to have you know great friends great support system people around me in a community that really supported me that allowed me to just not feel like those eyes were on me you know it made me always feel like i was part of this group i was just connor 
I was never, you know, an outlier. Um, and so for me, really the scariest thing was probably going to college and going to a university where I didn't have friends. I didn't know anybody and nobody knew my story. Um, and trying to meet people for the first time. And then I felt those feelings that I did as a 13 and 14 year old, again, as a, as an 18, mm -hmm. 19 year old. Um, but again, it was a cool thing about having perspective at that age and being able to see, you know, the friends that I did create at, at high point, you know, or, or people that I'll have for the rest of my life, just like the people from my community in Fort Mill, um, and Charlotte, you know, are, are people that will be there for the rest of my life because mm -hmm. they're, they're such a big part of this journey. Mm -hmm. And I applaud yeah. you for saying that about, you know, being afraid to look in the mirror. So brushing your teeth in the shower, because I think that happens more than, you know, the public may realize, right, of like being afraid to look in the mirror and face what's in front of you. And so, um, yeah, there are difficult times where you struggle to overcome that, but you know, it, it takes time. 100% mm -hmm. it takes some time. And I, and again, for me, it was the outlets of sports. It was the outlets of friends. It was relying on other people because at the end of the day, like I couldn't deal with this journey on my own. I don't think anybody can deal with any journey of life on their own. It's too difficult. There's too many things out there. You need to rely on people at times. Um, and to have the support system that I had, you know, from such an early point, you know, when it was waking up in the hospital and seeing my room covered with pictures and cards and notes and gifts and, you know, whatever it may be, people from all over the country, people just sending you stuff, people you never even met, people you don't even know, but people who hear about your story and it matters. And so that was something that I always carried with me through my life is like understanding that you know, you have the ability to impact people that you have no idea. You have no idea mm -hmm. what they're going through or what they're dealing with or who they are. But, you know, by showing up with a smile on your face and putting out, you know, a, a positive energy and, and, you know, good energy and all those things, like it, it can make a difference. And this was mm -hmm. before I could walk. This was before I could do anything. You know, people just cared that I was I was fighting, you know, and I wasn't in control of that. I was, I, I was the doctors. I was everybody else. You know, I was just in there sleeping sleeping it off and letting them do their thing uh but you know going forward it was it was something that i always take with me and i think for the longest time when i got out of, out of the hospital it was like difficult when you go out in public and people stare at you or people see you right you're out of your comfort zone or your little bubble and people notice you and in the burn community like that is ever present like there's not very many of us walking amongst people doing things in the day-to-day -day. like it's it's just not as common um so people are used to staring people are used to like questioning you i go to the movies and somebody's like hey what happened you know and for the longest time i thought it was it, it like kind of put me in a shell right like you don't you you just want to go out and go to the grocery store or go out and be with friends or whatever and you don't want to deal with that you know um, but now again, it's a sense of pride because it's like, again, that people know that I dealt with something and they can see that I dealt with something. Um, but I can't see what everybody else is dealing with, but you know, by just, again, putting on a smile and letting them know it's okay, or, or, or just a nice kind gesture and letting them know everything's good. Like that could just be the difference right there. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, you know, again, I, a lot of that is based on how my parents raised us. Um, mm -hmm. I owe a lot to them for sure. But uh, yeah, it, it, these scars are 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 a sense of pride, and and I think in the burnt community we have to really understand that, like 
even though it makes us unique, it makes us a little different. Like it's a powerful symbol that we get to carry with us that not many people do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I know you kind of talked about, you know, your friends and their support, but what was it like going back to high school or going back to school after your injury? And how did your friends react to the news and seeing you again for the first time? So I think like I got a little bit of it out of the way when I was finishing up middle school. I mean, even just walking or I had to go take like one or two tests, you know, in school, like just so I, I was getting my credits or whatever. Um, so people were seeing me and I spent a month at Levine Children's Hospital in Charlotte. So that was very close to home. So a lot of my friends and a lot of people that knew me uh, were able to come visit during that time. Um, but when school started, you would think it'd be a big deal. And it was like a week or two go in and it's just, you know, normal, normal. Everything else is like nothing happened. Um, I think everybody was really happy to see me for sure. Uh, but nobody really treated me any different. And we were in a very small community. Uh, my mom was a teacher at the high school. Uh, I had an older brother there. You know, we had been in that area for a while now. And so everybody just treated me like normal. At that point, again, I could walk. I was moving around all right. I was getting back to playing sports. Um, but it was so nice to feel normal. I think for the longest time when I was in the hospital and my driving force was like, I just want to get back to being normal. Like it sucked being 13 and 14 years old and being in a hospital and getting mm. tests done on you, getting you know needles mm-hmm. stuck in you, you know, going through surgery. like. It's just, that's not, that's not anything we're used to or know. And none of your friends go through that, you know, or no, very few do. Um, Mm -hmm. So you just wanted to get back to normal. And I think everybody did a really good job at treating me normally and and let me feel that normalcy. And um, I think for a while it was like, that's all I wanted. And I wanted to live in that Mm -hmm. little bubble and I wanted to enjoy that bubble because it was, it was gone. Um, But as I mentioned before, like, you go out in public, you get away from that bubble and then you realize like, you're still a little different. Like people are still going to notice you in a little different way, you know? And again, that could be something that I could be ashamed of or be upset about, but it became, as life went on, I was like, it's more and more of something to be prideful of. It's cool. I go somewhere and, and, and in a year from now, I could go back there and somebody would be like, Oh man, I recognize you. It's like, yeah, I stand out. I get that. I understand that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's more it's more than just my deep voice i get it but it's like it's like you know i stand out so so like that could that, to me again that's a badge honor that's cool it's cool right um that you're memorable yeah. to someone so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. see i you know? i have I have that too sometimes, but then I always feel bad because I'm really bad at knowing people's names. I can remember faces so easily. Yeah. So I always yeah. feel bad when someone's like, Oh yeah, how are you doing? Like they remember me and I'm like I remember you, but I don't remember yeah. you at the same time. Yeah, I am actually terrible about that, though. You, do, you meet a ton of people, especially in what I'm doing. Like, you meet a ton of people, and you're, mm-hmm. you're seeing faces all the time. And I, like, I could be in a crowd of a 1,000 people, and if I recognize somebody, like, I could zone in on them. But I will have probably one in 10 chance of knowing their name. No, what the name um, is. <laughs> Connor, so um, you were you had a pretty significant burn injury. Um, you know, you went back to school, but I'm sure um, as Rachel is a, a child burn survivor as well. So I'm sure as you continued to get older, um, there were probably some additional right treatment um, surgeries or whatnot that that you had to endure through that 
through that time. So um, what is ongoing healing look like? Is it still happening? I know you, I think you I did the math. You're like, what, 27 now? So um, yeah, so, so um, it, you know, what has the last, you know, 14 years looked like for you in that ongoing healing? Because we know burn injuries aren't just like a one and done situation, especially with the burn of, of the degree that you, you mentioned. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So um, I learned two paths through through the last 14 years of like what not to do and then <laughs> and then how to how to handle handle, you know, the typical situations with with scar grafts and everything else. Uh, what not to do was was being young. Um, obviously, like they didn't have a plan for me when it came to playing sports. They were just kind of like, you know, my arms and my legs were CEAs. So they were that synthetically grown skin. It's definitely okay. not as thick. It's definitely not as deep. Um, you know, it's it's prone to shearing and all that. And they want me to play, you know, or I wanted to play lacrosse, which is a heavy contact sport, you know, and we have no idea what that's going to look like um, if I get hit, if I fall or anything else. Um, so that was all trial by error. That was going out and playing. It was going, it was wearing, um, you know, thankfully at that time you had a lot of new garments as far as even just Nike underarm and everything else wearing, you know, compression out all over, right. Football players wearing it. Everybody's wearing it, right. You could wear pants, you can wear, you know, uh, full, all of it. So, you know, I would be wearing that stuff as, as well as my protective gear. And that to me, I felt like I got a little extra protection. Gotcha. Um, but even on like grass or hard dirt fields, like what we would play on, like if you got, if I got hit, like my knee would skin a lot easier mm -hmm. than somebody else would. Um, you know, I was, I was living with band-aids and, and, and um, ointment in my backpack and, and on my person at all times, I think because especially my freshman year when it was still not even, you know, a year out, it was like, I could bump into a railing and it would cut my leg, you know, and it would, it would be stuff like that. And, um, I felt like I was always bleeding, but what I learned my freshman year, all right, I was, I was not, um, thinking about the burn. I was kicking a soccer ball and I was barefoot. I was kicking a soccer ball. Like I've been doing my entire life. And I had kicked a soccer ball and I literally broke my toe off, like off hanging on, by like the bottom skin and they had to pin it back together and sew it on. And this was like right after my freshman lacrosse season ended. So I thought I'm back. I was on top of the world. I'm like, I finally, you know, it's been a year since I got out of the hospital. Things are going great. And now I'm back in it and they're like, we got to sit, you know, this is my big toes. So if I lose this on my right foot, like there goes running. All my toes are fused anyway. So it's like, I would have been, you know, that might've been it. Um, so when I said learning the hard way, it was being a kid, being, you know, doing stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, for the rest of my life, I'm never kicking a soccer ball barefoot. I got it. <laughs> she was on at all times. So I'm doing anything athletic. She was on at all times. I'm fine. I learned at that. Um, but then over the years, it was, you know, laser treatments uh, on my face and doing some Z plasties on, you know, basically my underarm um, on my right, right shoulder. Um, my my hands, my fingers, you know, doing small things like that just to get range of motion um, at a maximum. Because as I was playing more and more sports, you know, I wanted to be able to do more and more. I didn't want to have limitations as much. And it was like a year. It was basically for me, you know, you would play through the spring. The moment the spring ended, we'd get into summer ball. I'd do a surgery at the end of summer, go into fall, do some more surgeries in fall. 
uh, whether again, laser treatment, small things, whatever it may be. And then, uh, you know, season starts up Christmas time, new year, spring, and then rinse and repeat. And I was doing that all high school. And even into college, I was having to get surgeries done. I didn't have a like non burn related surgery. Uh, up until my junior year of college is when I tore my tore my shoulder and it was had nothing to do with, you know, the burn injury. It was just overuse and work. Um, but I came to a point when after that one, really, I was in, you know, in my senior year and I was just like, I, I just don't want to do it. Anymore. I, you know, I was mm-hmm. tired of like, because you make a lot of progress, but like the surgeries that I was getting, having done, it's like, you're sitting down for another week or two, like, you know, and then you got another couple of weeks of rehab and it's like, you can't go back to your maximum until this time and this time, you know, and it's like, you're always building some momentum just to, you know, stop it or slow it down. But it was necessary, you know, it was necessary as all things that helped at the end of the day. Um, but I just got kind of got tired of, of dealing with that. Um, mm-hmm. But now, fast forward a few years, it's like, there's stuff that in the future, I will definitely have to get done, probably. Um, I still battle like with my right foot, I've gotten uh, countless infections that have wound me back up in the hospital just because it's, you know, again, a, a foot that is covered in scars that gets, you know, a lot of open wounds, a lot of overuse. Again, you're playing sports, none of that stuff ever heals. The moment I break in these shoes and I get, you know, wounds on the back of my feet, like they're there throughout the season because you got to put those shoes on the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always been a battle with my parents about like, do we need to amputate it to prevent? Cause like, you know, I, I haven't even been playing sports in a couple of years and I still end up in the hospital with infections over stuff, you know? So those are, those are mm-hmm. questions that we have to have. I, I still in, am at the point where it's like, I enjoyed it. It's part of who I am, you know, but um, I like, you'd have to get to a point at some point where you're thinking a little bit longer term. Um, but again, those are things that like, I know I'll deal with for the rest of my life. Like those are the conversations that I'll have to have. Uh, that's part of it. But I wouldn't trade it for, you know, what it's given me, what it's been able to do for my life personally, you Mm -hmm. know, this experience um, that I went through has really provided like a perspective on life that I wouldn't have had uh, if it didn't happen. So I'm Mm -hmm. definitely very grateful for that. Yeah. It's, and it's funny to hear you talk about like that surgery cycle. Cause I had that exact same thing. I would, cause I played sports all year long too. And every summer came around, it was time for another surgery. And then once I started doing laser, since those are shorter recovery time, you could squeeze those into your winter yeah. breaks. <laughs> yeah. And I know for me too, I, one thing, so I ran cross country as well. And I would have to get, I was worried about overheating. That was one thing that I always had to manage. Should you, was that a concern for you with playing lacrosse too? I know you men's lacrosse, you have a lot of pads on and, and also with sweating and smelly, those things can get very smelly yeah, it too. It sounds like you wear compression garments <laughs> as well. So that's a lot yeah. of gear to be wearing mm-hmm. after yeah. an injury. So there was, there was periods um, in especially like with lacrosse, like your whole, you know, the big chunk of your summer, that's how you get recruited. That's where you go to showcases where you travel. Those are usually the best teams I played on were during the summer um, and the most competitive time of lacrosse. But you're also growing up in the South, you're playing in Florida, you're playing in Atlanta, you know, you're playing in areas Mm -hmm. where it's like a hundred plus degrees and you're playing on turf fields. So I would have like a cooler, 
of just like ice towels in in the you know in the tent or whatever on the sideline. And again, with the compression garments, the nice thing is like you could soak those things. So before the game, it's like soak them down, get them nice and cold, go out and run. When they heat up, you know that's like me sweating. So like my legs from basically my hips down, you know, where there's tons of gra- all, all that's grafted skin. It's like, there's no sweating there on my arms where the CEAs are. There's no sweating there. So it's like my head and my torso is doing all the work. So for my legs, especially running around, it's like, I needed those to be cooled off. And there was times where, yeah, I had to step out and I had to be like, listen, like I'm overheating. Cause I would go to the point where, yeah, you're like on the verge of like, man, I'm about to collapse or mm-hmm. like, you know, if I keep going or, but I just never wanted to be out of the game. Like you worked so hard to get back to the game and get, get that part of your life back. Like you didn't want to. So I had, again, great people around me that knew like I was stubborn. I wouldn't have gotten where I was <laughs> if I wasn't stubborn. Um, but it's like, they knew like, all right, we have a gauge of him. Like when he reaches this point, like I'm pulling him off cause he won't do it. You know, <laughs> or having one of my teammates being like, dude, get off the field. Like, you know what, you know, it's like one of those things. And, and again, like that is just the beauty of having those people around me because I, they understood how I was wired. They understood I wouldn't have gotten to where I was if I wasn't like I'm putting myself to the ultimate extreme every time because it's an extreme thing that I was dealing with. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they understood that. And, and so they knew my limits. But in, in like the, the spring season, it was always like cool. I mean, down here it's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's like 50, 60, 70 degrees, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's perfect. Um, the hardest thing for me actually was probably the, the cold element because we would practice mm-hmm. at nights in January and February. And with my, you know, hands, especially not being able to like retain mm-hmm. heat in the same way. It's like, this is a sport that requires your fingertips. And, you know, I, I don't, I already don't have 10 of them. So like, I got to make use as best I can. Um, but when they're that, when it, like you guys, you know, if you have burns on your hands, it, when you're cold, like it is a different pain, it hurts, it physically mm. hurts, um, you know, the, the joints, the everything. And, and, and this is a sport where not only am I having to use my hands, but people are trying to hit my hands. So it's like, it, you know, I would be wearing gloves underneath my gloves. I would try everything, but that was probably the hardest thing. Staying, staying cool was, was difficult at times during the summer, no doubt, but the, the months that it was during the spring when we were practicing that night, when it was freezing, like that, it was always so hard. It was so hard. It's so funny. So bad. It's funny you say that because we had Ketchy on and Ketchy's from Texas. I'm from Florida and my burns are in a smaller degree, but I always said that to Ketchy. I, I told Ketchy that I was like, I can, like, I can deal with the Florida heat and <laughs> how warm it can be and can try to cool off. But I have a harder time in the colds for me, everything gets chapped and brittle mm-hmm. and itchy. And so that is like, that is my crypt, like, you know, kryptonite, I can't do it. But Ketchy had mentioned she liked the cooler weather. And I said, Oh, I wonder if it depends on the degrees, but sharing that you like the heat better, it's got to be some kind of preference mm-hmm. because for me, yes, I can, I can suffer in the heat all day, but not in the cold. Yeah, I think I think for me, like the only downside with the heat is because I said, you know, like my head and my torso d- works overtime with the sweat. It's like I go outside, it could be like 80 degrees and I, I'll just start sweating, you know, and I, <laughs> that that stinks when you're wearing nice clothes. If you're in a suit, if you're at a wedding, you know, all those things. But listen, I wasn't supposed to sweat, so I'm glad that I'm sweating. At least it's working. <laughs> 
my body's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, it's getting through somehow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's getting through. So it's like <laughs> you know, we'll take. I'll take. I'll take the, that win. Um, ideally for me though, it is, it's like, can we be in, you know, that 60 to 75 range all year round? Um, that, that would be, that would be perfect because yeah, the cold, the cold hurts, the cold hurts for me. It does. It does. Well, Connor, um, so it sounds like, you know, in the beginning, right. When you were in, um, middle school and then high school, you struggled a little bit to embrace, right. The new you. Um, and I think you touched on it a little bit of, right, having that good support system. But what advice would you give to others who are maybe def- afraid to face themselves in the mirror? How did you overcome that? And and when do you remember that time when you eventually were willing to stand in front of the mirror and say, okay, this is just me? So I, I think looking back on it with perspective, it's easier to say, you know, what helped me and the fact that you needed to give yourself time to heal. I think, you know, and it's something that I go out and I, when I, when I give my speeches, I talk about all the time, but when we're struggling with the person we see in the mirror, it's oftentimes that that person we're staring at, you know, isn't the best version of ourselves. It's a version that's healing. It's a version that's going through something. It's a version that's facing, you know, some kind of difficulty in their life. Yet we're going to be ultra critical of it. We're going to be super judgmental of it. Um, Instead of saying like, you know, if I'm going to be hard on myself, it's like, is my best version not good? You know, not, not where it needs to be. Right. And that's what I should be judging myself on. Um, and it took a long time. And like I said, for me, I used the catalyst of playing sports around being with my friends, around being with people who love me, regardless of the way that I looked, regardless of, of what happened to me, but it was the being that I was is all that mattered to them. And when you surround yourself with those people, and you have that kind of group, that kind of support system, you know, that allows you to start to become a little bit more comfortable in your skin. And then you start venturing out a little bit, you know, and then that to me was playing sports and finding confidence there and, and finding something that I love that was part of who I always was, regardless of what happened. Um, and, and eventually, you know, that person I saw in the mirror, you know, became more and more confident, healed more and more. And then I couldn't tell you a pinpoint, you know, date when I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm where I need to be. But I always look at, I had a, a really important relationship in high school when I was a junior and senior in high school with a girl who went to a different school than I did, had no idea who I was before the accident happened, you know, was what a lot of people would call, you know, very attractive. She was a beautiful girl, very nice, sweet, and you know, all those things. Um, but it was important for me that we had, you know, such a connection where she didn't care that I was, you know, burned. She didn't care that anything happened before the accident. Um, she cared about who I was. And that to me was like the validation I needed at that point. And then when I go off to college and I'm with, you know, a bunch of people that I've never met before and you're making great friendships and great relationships there, you know, it just basically adds on to that fact. And so it took time. It's periods of time where I was always feeling, you know, there's periods where I'll feel insecure. It always happens. It will still happen. Um, you know, I, I end up in some pretty big rooms with some cool people and like, I'll still feel, you know, a little like insecure at times, but at the end of the day, you know, I know that there'll be eyes on me at some point. And, and like I said earlier, if I can put a smile on my face, if I can walk around and let people know, like things are good, life is good. Um, I have a lot to be appreciative of, you know, like it sets everybody else at ease and, and it took time to come to that realization. I think there was a a huge chunk of my life that I think probably all of us felt where I was like, I wish this never happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, but it was, you know, maybe it was later in high school at some point in college, but I know for sure now it's like, I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, again, it's given me a life that I would have never imagined. I never would have dreamed of. Um, but it's, it's, uh, the perspective and the, in the understanding I had to learn about life at such an early age, I think really gave me that solid foundation going forward because, you know, now at 27, 28, like you feel like you've lived an entirely long life. There are times where it felt really, really long in the hospital. Um, but you know, you blink and here we are, you know, 14 years later and hopefully having 40, 50, 60, you know, 70 more years ahead of us. So, um, I, I think it, it's important to understand that, you know, the person you're, you're looking at will heal. Um, you have to give them time. You have to surround yourself with, with the people that will love you unconditionally. Um, and then it's important to kind of find that thing that you also love, that you're striving for, that you're trying to latch onto, that can be your outlet. Um, that, that again, to me, that was sports. That was, that was always been my little thing, but there's so many things out there. It could be singing, it could be art, it could be expressing yourselves in a million different ways. Um, but it's just important to have that thing because that was like what I latched onto is this is my normal, you know, regardless of what happened to me, what I look like, like I can do this. And, and that's all that, you know, that's all that mattered to me. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I mean, every survivor is different and every journey is different. And, but I think you really touched on that great point of finding that outlet and just, it's going to be, there's ups and downs. It's not a straight line. It's a roller coaster of a journey. So, um, and I know we also shared this a little bit at the beginning, but you are a motivational speaker and you share more about your Mac mentality. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more of what that, what that is? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, um, I was finishing up my fourth year of coaching, uh, at the college where I played lacrosse at High Point University. I'd um, I'd been coaching there and enjoying life. And I had some conversations with some people around me after seeing what had happened in 2020, after seeing, you know, what had unfolded in you know 2021 and going forward, it was like, all right, can I, you know, add some value or more value to people's lives than, than what I'm, what I'm currently doing. You know, I loved my job. I was very happy with my job. It was, you know, in some ways, my dream job, it was what I always wanted to do. Um, but I felt like, you know, after taking, having it taken away from me for, you know, six months, whatever it was, it was like, I felt there was so much more that could be done. Um, and I had some people sending me that same message. Um, and so, you know, I took some time away. I, I finished up our season and, and I was like, all right, let's figure out what is going to be, you know, our core group. I don't want to be somebody that just sits here and tells my story over and over again. I can use my experiences, what I've learned about life. But it's something I'm actively living. It's something I see other people actively doing, um, you know. And so, how do we kind of work this in? And so, I took the the Mac, the M A C. So my my nickname at college was C Mac. It was because the coach could not pronounce my last name. A lot of people can't pronounce my last name, um, and that's okay. But he called me C Mac, and so I was like, all right, M A C. Um, and what were the most important things for me, you know, and what do I see the most important people do that is success, you know, that gives them success, that helps them deal with traumatic events, that helps them deal with adversity in their life, um, you know, and so then it kind of molded this, this mag mentality. And so it's motivation, it's attitude and courage. And so I thought, 
you know, when I looked at these three words, it really stuck out to me um, as the core, you know, what helped me overcome what I went through and what continues to help me overcome. But also what I, again, what I see other people doing. The motivation aspect was as simple as like you, like I said earlier, you have to have that thing that's driving you, you know, and the, the definition we use is motivation is the driving force behind human nature. When it was in the hospital, I just wanted to get back to being normal. You know, when I was back to being normal, it was like I wanted to play sports again. I wanted to compete at the highest level, you know, and then there's continuing. Uh, we got millions of different motivations, There's you know, the, in our lives. There's good ones, there's bad ones, there's all sorts of stuff. But I understood that when you maintain, you know, that positive motivation every single day, getting a little bit better every single day, taking another step every single day, like, like I said earlier, putting in the work, you know, it shows over course of time. Now, and I didn't know what that course of time would ever be. It's different for everybody in the situation, but you had to maintain that motivation. An attitude, we look at it as, um, you know, the way we approach things, the way we look at things, right? It's like glass half full or half empty. And it's simple, there's cliche, things like that. But I understood that the attitude I, I approach the accident at, the attitude that I approach life at, um, the attitude I see others that have success, how they approach life, and deal with things like that's the difference maker you know when we're hit with adversity when we're hit with something that you know is essentially a roadblock it's like is this going to stop me or is this going to be like where i'm starting from is this where i'm going to take that next step from um is this where i'm going to you know continue to persevere through um and so i looked at like attitude is so important because that was something that i felt like we could control you know motivation i think we could control all these things i think we could control but attitude i felt like from you know the moment we wake up, like we can choose whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. Now, something's going to happen along the way that could either make it better or make it worse. But like from the moment we wake up, like we have that ability to be in control of our attitude for the most part. And then courage to me was always the most important thing because life is going to be incredibly difficult. You know, it's going to come at many different points. We have no no idea when it will when it will strike. Um, but you have to have courage. You have to be able to handle, and the definition we use for that is you have to be able to handle and withstand, you know, that adversity through mental strength. You know, it's, and that's relying on other people. That's listening to, you know, or, or reading or learning about influential things, you know, positive things. There's, there's a million things we can do, but you have to have that courage to deal with that difficulty that's going to come because it's always out there. You never know when it's going to strike. But it's a lot. It takes a lot to be a person nowadays. It really does. And the most normal person is going to be faced with difficulties in their day and their life and so on. And, and you have to have the courage to understand that that's going to be there. But you have the ability to overcome it. You have the ability to choose the right attitude to approach it. And you have the ability to be motivated to continue to attack it day in and day out. And so uh, that became kind of our mantra and what I what I loved talking about is being able to take my stories and then other stories that everybody knows. And when you look at it, it's like it's very, very simple. It's three things, uh, but it's a way of approaching life and looking at life with a you know perspective that that I know has made a difference in mine and has made a difference in a lot of others, other lives. And um, to be able to share it on platforms, whether it's speeches, whether it's again podcasts, books, whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's really important to just be able to, you know, pass on some kind of positive message to the next person. And, you know, my mission statement since I started the company 
And since the people we've been working with, it's like, if you are changing even just one life anywhere you go or anything that you do, then that automatically proves like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, it's like that person would have never heard that message or never made that change if you didn't say it. And I think anybody that has a platform like should understand that. Like, it's not about changing millions and, and billions of lives. Like if you do, that's, that's amazing, you know, good on you. But it's like, if you're changing a life at a time, with anything that you do, like at the end of the day, you're going to change a ton of lives because it's going to be a domino effect. That person has now made a change in their life that could affect somebody else and so on and so forth. Um, and so I enjoy that element. I enjoy seeing people, you know, ha or having that impact on, on people. I, I've, I've enjoyed that. Um, and I hope that, you know, we continue to do that um, for years to come. Well, that's Absolutely amazing that you get to to share your message. I think that takes a speaking is a difficult thing, and so especially mm -hmm. as a burn survivor, to be able to get up there and and share your message um, that that takes a lot of courage, right? So, um, uh, so uh, speaking of books, I know you mentioned sharing your message through a book. You have a book coming out very soon. Um, can you tell us more about your book? And I believe it's called Life Ignited. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. So Life Ignited obviously had to throw in as many burn references as we can throughout. <laughs> so just be prepared um, for the the burn community, especially. There will be a lot of a lot of little references or things or sayings. But it's again, it's part of who I am. Um, I, I've always embraced that element. But this is really kind of a collection of stories um, and experiences dating back from pre-accident all the way through my time in the hospital to where we are today you know so it's kind of the coming to of how did we get to the mat mentality how do we get to being a speaker and doing all those things um but more so you know there's a huge chunk spent in the hospital and those experiences um growing up again i talk about dealing with you know brushing my teeth in the mirror. I talk about coming to grips with loving myself, meeting friends, all those things. Um, it's really a growing up story. I think that's what I, what I have enjoyed about it. It's like being able to work on it um, for the past year or so and go back in time and tell, go like dive into some of these stories and talk to some of these people that were involved. It, it like has put a lot of things in perspective for me, but it was, it's been an unbelievable journey. I'm, I'm really excited for it to be out. Um, it is kind of going to be like, this is like, once you read that to me, I'm like, you're going to know who I am. You know, it's my voice in there. It's me telling the stories. Like you're going to know my life. Um, and, and like, you're also going to know like what the mission is going forward. You know, why we do what we do, why we're so passionate about sharing these stories and talking to people and making a change and making a difference. You know, I think that's, that's what this all encompasses. It's been, been pretty awesome. Uh, uh, awesome ride. I, I'm, I'm excited. Um, I, I know it's, it's, uh, been a lot of work. It really has. Uh, but it's been a blessing. It's been, been really cool. My parents have, um, you know, their perspective of my time in the hospital in there as well. So that will be really cool for, um, you know, readers to hear parents to read as well, you know, yeah. seeing what it was mm -hmm. like for, you know, a mom and a dad dealing with, dealing with this situation. Um, but it's cool. I, I put my heart in this thing for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. I always tell people it's like I am a extroverted introvert. I like being by myself. <laughs> I'm OK with sharing stories um, I, and I am very open, you know, with the with the right group. 
But like, even when I go give my speeches, like I could be up on stage, I could go talk to thousands of people, I could handshake, I could, you know, whatever. But then it's like, immediately, I just want to go home and sit inside and like, talk to, you know, talk, to my friend, talk to my brothers, talk to my family members, my friends, like put on a show, like, so this has been like, a, you know, it's like this thing's going out there. This is my, you know, this is me going out there in the world. And that's kind of in a way scary. But it, listen, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. Um, it it's going to be a big step for us going forward because it's going to allow us to have a little bit of legitimacy in our space. Um, and so, again, I'm, I'm excited to, to get this out to the public. It should be a few weeks from when this airs. So this will be really, really cool. That's awesome. I'm so excited to read it once it comes out. Um, so, and we'll make sure your website um, is linked in our show description so followers can stay up to date and get their hands on that book once it's available. So, I mean, the book is probably taking a lot on right now since it's coming out soon. But aside from that, what's next for Connor? What's what's coming up? Uh, <laughs> So really, like we're we're in the the full swing of you know booking gigs, going out and speaking at corporations, at schools, um, small group events. We do you know some leadership development seminars, all sorts of things um, that we're just trying to get our hands on. Uh, and again, it's just about spreading the message as best we can. So um, I think the book is going to be another tool going forward um, that will you know, open up some more doors for us that I'm excited, but we have been like, it was really weird. I was sitting down with, with my team, uh, right as, as the new year changed in January. And it was like, we're planning for 12 months worth of stuff. And it's like, we got this going on, this going on, this going on. And I'm like, man, that I haven't planned 12 months ahead of my life ever. So this is really, really <laughs> cool, but it's important. Um, I've always been, you know, what's right in front of me is the most important thing uh, or the next step is the most important thing. But it's great to have some people that are able to look a little bit more long term. Um, but, yeah, we have some events coming out. I know with the book, especially, there's going to be tons of, you know, PR. We'll do some more interviews. We'll do some more sit downs. Um, you know, I just I had one recently in, in, in January that released uh, with Dr. Cobain. That was a lot of fun, a side by side interview. Um, so there, there's been some cool opportunities that are to come, but again, we're just out here trying to, you know, inspire others one day at a time. And, and, uh, I'm excited for this next, next phase for sure. Uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work over the last two years, kind of building it up to this point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's a cool time to be, a a part of Mac mentality. That's for sure. <laughs> well, Connor, I know we're wrapping up on time here. We have a couple of, of final questions, but before we do, I happen to see on your website that you, um, you like Ted Lasso. Is that correct? Yes. That's one of my favorite, speaking of sports related TV shows, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Ted Lasso and, and their message as well. Is that, do you agree with that sentiment? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> like I, I don't understand. Um, I wish I could put myself back into watching the first three episodes when they released. Cause when that show released, they released three mm -hmm. episodes at a time. And I remember mm -hmm. when I got done with it, I was like, Oh my God, that was brilliant. And, and I've watched it get, multiple times. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've, got, I've gone through and for only having two, two seasons, there are so many great clips. There are so many great sound bites. There are so many great stories. Yeah. Um, and I just love how real it is. You know, you don't have to even love, 
soccer or anything mm-hmm. like that to appreciate what this show is, what it's talking about friends, talking about family, talking about togetherness, life. Um, so yeah, I, I take a bunch of his stuff and use it with what I do. Um, I, Makes I you love, feel good. I love yeah. feel good TV shows. Rachel and I are yeah. big TV junkies, and I saw yeah. you like T- Ted Lasso. And I said, "Oh, we can we'll yes. get along just fine." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm wait- um, <laughs> we I'm waiting asked for season three. <laughs> I know, me too. Anxiously, right? I and yeah. I don't like it when they like. At, at, do little episodes at a time like just give me the whole thing because i want to watch I it all. <laughs> <laughs> um well, rachel and i ask two final questions usually at the end of every episode um so first and foremost uh what does self-care look for, like for connor so i know you mentioned you're you're out there you're speaking um, i'm the same way i can be really much an extrovert but um i like to be quiet you know hiding in my bedroom sometimes uh so what does that look like for you connor what does self-care look like um well as far as you know, taking care of myself, first and foremost, like I probably go through bottles and bottles of lotion. I like for my feet, especially it's like multiple times a day, all the time, trying to keep, keep, you know, them in check. Is that like, I'm just up and I'm active and I'm on them. Um, And it's about monitoring, you know, those levels because, you know, I'll go out and I'll be speaking. I'll be up doing some fundraising thing. It could be a golf outing. It could be whatever, you know, and you're just like putting this wear and tear. And I'm always somebody that like, I could deal with it in that moment. I could deal with it when I'm there. You know, even if you see me limping a little bit, like I could, I could put it through, but it's like when I get home and then the next day after, you know, or whatever, it's like, man, I could, I could be so sore. I could be so beat up. I could be like, I can't leave the couch. And it's understanding like, there are going to be days, especially, and I have to be realistic with myself. Like, dude, you were burned 90% of your body. Like, you shouldn't be doing any of the things that you are doing. So, like, if you have to go and sit on the couch for a day, like, don't be ashamed of that. Don't be upset about that. Don't be like, wow, I didn't do anything today to get better. It's like, you did. You healed. You got better because you're not putting yourself at a, you know, a bigger risk of injury. You're not putting yourself in, in more pain. You're not putting yourself at bigger risk of infection, all those things. Right. Mm, so it's important that. about understanding, like you're going to have to take what, you know, we call them it, when I was even a kid, my mom would call them, you know, mental health days, right. You have mm. to take like a day for your well being. all, you know, it has mm. to happen. So for me, it's like having those in there between events, between, you know, whatever I'm doing, it's important. If it's mm. sitting in and watching, you know, a whole season of the show, then that's what we got to do, you know? Mm. But for me, it's like that plus I love music. I've always been somebody that like the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, like there has to be some sound on. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I can't sleep with that, like tons of sound. <laughs> I, like, I couldn't sleep with the TV on. It makes no sense. I couldn't sleep with TV on or music on. But like I need to be listening to music. Like if I go put put food in the microwave, I'll put on a song. Just so, you know, just so I'm listening to something. If I'm doing work, you know, when I'm writing, when I'm when I'm putting the speeches together, it's like playlists are on the TV. You know, it's like that's like I need I love music. I think it's always been a great form of expression. It's a way mm-hmm. for me, even since I was a little kid, it's like it's a way that has, you know, allowed me to express feelings and stuff that I can't even say, you know, but it, like they do it a lot better than I do through their words, through their lyrics, through the you know, the music in general. Um and so music has been huge to me. So I use that as big, big self-care for me. Music mm-hmm. and lotion, I would say, and taking mental health days. And mental health days. Oh, that's so important. I think that's so, so great because, you know, um, I think I was the same way towards, you know, my the end of my, or the 
the kind of back, back half of getting all those extra laser surgeries that I was getting, I wasn't recognizing that I just needed a break. Right. And yeah. so like, it's really hard sometimes as a survivor to just say, you know what, like I need a minute. So whether that's taking a whole day or just taking an hour each day mm -hmm. to kind of rest, um, I think that's so important. I'm a big uh, fan of mental health days as well. So <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Um, so, and our final question is, do you do anything special to celebrate your burn anniversary? And if you don't, that's okay too, but we always ask. <laughs> no, I mean, we do. So like we've been, we, we you know, yeah, we call it a rebirth anniversary for us, uh, for me. And it's December, December 21st. So it's always right around the holidays. So um, whether it's going home and seeing, you know, my friends from, from, you know, middle school, high school, the kids that still live in the area, being with my friends and family uh, that still live in the area, um, you know, milestones for sure. Like, you know, 10 year was a big one, like doing stuff for that. Uh, it's important to just, just be around the people that, you know, for me, have been there from the beginning. So it could be even as small as my parents and my little brother, or older brother, right. Or it could be with some of my friends. Um, I think what's been cool about the last one is I finally eclipsed, like I've now been burned longer than I had been alive. So like, that was important <laughs> to me in, in a way, like that was like, a you know, I've been in this new body essentially for, for, for longer. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's important to celebrate those things. Again, like for me, especially it was like, I, I shouldn't have made it, you know, I really shouldn't have made it. I'm, I'm incredibly blessed to have some of the best care in the world that was state, you know, operating on me and looking after me and a ton of blessings that were out of our control as well take place, you know? So it's understanding that there's things in this life that are out of our control, but we got to appreciate those things. We got to, you know, give thanks to those things. And again, if it's being with people that I care about or even just taking a moment to myself to be like, look, man, look what we've done in the life. And I look at it as, you know, I think people do it with new years or birthdays or whatever, but it's another, another point in the year mm -hmm. where it's like look at what we've done in the last year you know or mm -hmm. however long right you know for me i look at it as like look at what we've done the last 14 years look what we've done the last 13 years so on and so forth man and just try to continue to go because there will be times where you feel like your life isn't technically you know make like it's hard to see change change sometimes mm -hmm. or hard to see it when, when things seem like they're going in the same direction for a while but it's just another way to look at life in a different perspective and say, look, look how far we've come. That's mm -hmm. something to be grateful for. Well, it has been a absolute pleasure having you on, Connor. Um, if folks want to stay up to date, uh, they can visit that MacMentality.com. Any final thoughts for us before we close out our, our episode today? No, I just think, you know, listen, I commend you guys for, for doing what you're doing. I think it's important to have a space for, you know, burn survivors and, and people with scars to, to share their stories and, and express themselves, you know, because again, we all have different experiences, even though we were all burned, you know, there's different levels to it. There's different injuries and it affects us all in different ways, but just being able to share these messages, um, you know, it, it, it can make a difference. And like I said, if we have the ability to make even change in one person's life, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, so I appreciate the opportunity for sharing. Can't thank you guys enough for, for letting me be here. Absolutely. It was such a pleasure. Thanks so much, Connor. We look forward to hearing and seeing all the great things you're doing in the future. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Grafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.